you'll turn to uh, Psalm 29 today to begin. We're going to look at a bunch of different verses, and um, uh, you noticed um, we didn't, we don't have the horizons this morning. We're going to try a, a period without those. Though, as simple as that thing is, it is expensive and labor intensive to do, and we're going to try to communicate through email and through the website and some other ways. And so we will email you uh, Gail Smith's address. If you don't get that by Thursday, make sure you call us. Uh, the new, we have a new number, 792-5400. And um, email me or Melissa, cbasham at churchatodessa.org or kkirkpatrick, and we can get you there. We're going to serve her this Saturday, as Lee said. So uh, we're going to try a time. I know some of you you know, struggle maybe without, with church without a horizon, without a, a bulletin, but we're going to try it. Those, that thing, like I said, it's expensive. And uh, it, is, it is somewhat labor-intensive to produce, and so we're going to try a time without that. And so uh, I want to spend the next few weeks, um, we've been here for almost five years, and uh, just starting afresh in a, in a sense of under a new name, and, and really nothing different in the sense. We've been pursuing the right things, I feel like, for five years. But I want to just start afresh and, and, and spend a few weeks looking at just some foundational things of who we are as individuals, who we are as a church over the next few weeks. I, I want to make sure that moving forward, we're all on the same page. And, and I really want to lay a foundation for us as a church, what we'll seek to be about, what I feel like God um, has commanded, desires to do through a church, with a church. Um, God has been very specific in the Bible with regards to what church is about what we as believers as followers of Christ are to be about and so over the next few weeks I want to I want to cover those and just give us some some foundations essentials um, to what that is and 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 I want to say on the front end too I appreciate y'all's patience with the with the air and and hopefully this week they'll finish that out and replace some of these lights that got messed up in the transition and that but I do appreciate your patience and your your grace with that but uh, I, over the next few weeks, some areas I want to cover, and, and if, you, if you could boil down, uh, when I look at the Word of God, what I see as far as a, a church, uh, what a church is to be about, what marks off a church, what marks off a group of believers uh, doing life together as a community, I really see three little three groups, if you will, and, and, and these are so intertwined that sometimes it's very difficult even to distinguish between the three. It's not like they're clearly delineated. But, but what they are, I believe, and if, you, and if you read the bylaws, you voted on them, so I'm assuming you read them. And if you look on our website at what we believe, really three areas. And they're this. The first area is this, glorifying God. Our chief, as we're going to see today and over the next couple of weeks, our main objective, our, the main purpose, if you will, for us as believers is to glorify God. And we do that through worship. We do that through worship, and we're going to look at that over the, over the next few weeks, and that leads into a second objective is knowing God, knowing God, and, and you do that, that is achieved through discipleship, discipleship, and, and again, as we do that, I, I believe your worship will grow as well as, as you know God, and then thirdly, sharing God, and you do that through evangelism. And, there, and there's all different means and ways, but, but everything, what we'll see about everything starts with worship. Everything starts with glorifying God. You, you see in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, we'll see it today, and you've heard it many times before. Whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. That really is a summative verse for our lives. You, and we'll look over the next few weeks. Every, every component of our life is to be done to the glory of our Lord. Jesus is Lord. We, we exist for Him. We exist for His glory. And, and the, if, if we're going to be disciples, if we're going to be followers, if we're going to be, you know, as believers growing and maturing, these things have to be in place. They have to be in place for any follower of Christ. And, and we do that together. And so over the next few weeks... Uh, we're going to jump in and we're going to look first at, at what, the, the, what it means to, to glorify God, to, to worship God, to, as we said, in, in that the one true God, John 17, 3. And what, that we would live lives that would be classified as worship. 
that, that this would not be something we do on Sunday mornings and then we get on to the rest of our lives, but every component of our lives, whether a student, whether at, at an elementary school, middle school, high school, whether at work, whether in our communities, that everywhere we would see ourselves as worshipers, as glorifiers, or as, as God, to take wherever that is, whatever we're doing, and glorify God through it. And in order to do that, we're going to need to, we're going to, need to get into discipleship. We're going to need to grow up. We're going to need to mature, as Ephesians 4 says, in everything. To, to teach, to, to, to grow up in respects to salvation, the Bible talks about. that. Ephesians 4 talks about that, that you would grow up to be a mature man or woman in Christ, that not tossed around by every wind and wave and trickery of doctrine. 1 Corinthians 3, Paul says, I could not come to you as mature men, but as to infants in Christ. He says, I could only come to you with, with milk. I couldn't come to you with solid doctrine. He says the same thing in Hebrews 5 at the end there, and he says that, that we're to be people who have had our senses trained so that we are able to discern good from evil. That, that's part of what we do here. Part of the reason of what we do here is to grow us up, to mature us. And, and the overflow, listen, the overflow of those first two goals is evangelism. Share. Share. And guys, that's not unnatural. You, listen, it's college football season. We love our college football teams. Guess what? A lot of, for a lot of us, you know what a lot of our conversation revolves around? College football. You know why? Because we love college football. Listen, we talk about and we tell others about that which we delight in. It's bottom line. The overflow of the first two things is evangelism. It's sharing with others, and, and that's, that's who we ought to be as a church. What we do here is to grow us up so that we can go out there, and as we'll see in the coming weeks, make disciples. Matthew 28, 19 and 20, he's very clear. Go, therefore, and make disciples, baptizing them and teaching them. Not just converts. Not just a bunch of spiritual babies, spiritual infants running around. This is not to be a, a big nursery, so to speak, of spiritual infants. We're, the, the Christian life is, is growing and maturing into the fullness of who Christ is, into the image, Romans, 20, Romans 8, 28-30 says that He is forming us into the image of Christ. C.S. Lewis once said that we are all, as believers, we are to be little Christs. We're to be reflectors of who he is. You go all the way back to Genesis 1, 30. He says that we're to be his representatives. But we've got to grow up. And we've got to continue growing up. And for the rest of our lives, for the rest of our lives, we build our entire lives on who Jesus Christ is. And I want us, I believe we're getting there, but I want us to encourage and remind us that this, I don't want us to be a people who views salvation as a one-time thing where we got our fire insurance and then we think we can just go live however we want to live. That's not salvation. That, that's what, that's in a way we've made the, we, in this world, we've formed salvation to be that. We've kind of presented it as that, but really it's a lifelong following of Christ. It's a lifelong growing up in Christ. It's a lifelong discipleship is me learning day by day, moment by moment, through a study of God's Word, through a fellowship with others, to submit every area of my life to Christ. That's discipleship. It's me learning every single day to submit every single aspect and component of my life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. It's a life of submission. Whether, whether it's me as a husband, whether me as a parent, whether me as a friend, whether it has to do with my finances, whether it has every, me as an employee, as an employer, every single aspect done to the glory of God. That's discipleship. And we do that together. That's why we gather here. We'll look in the next few weeks, Hebrews 10, he says in verse 23, Do not forsake the, assembly, the assembling together as this is the habit of some. He goes on to talk about that we gather to encourage one another. To stay at it. But, but today, I want to start with the priority. If I could sum up why we gather, who we are as Christians, if I could sum up the priority, the priority of who we are, it would be worship. 
worship. Not only corporately, but individually, worship. There, there are a lot of things that we can do as a church. There are a lot of things that we can go after. There's a lot of things that we can pursue. But you'll see on your handout there, the primary objective, not only for us corporately, but individually, is the worship of God. And that's why, listen, listen to what Psalm 29, verses 1 and 2, I want to read us a couple of passages. We're going to look at a lot of scriptures today, so I've got to get going. Psalm 29, 1 and 2, Ascribe to the Lord, O sons of the mighty, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do His name, worship the Lord in holy array. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, you ought to know that by heart as much as I say it, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. Colossians, Colossians 3.17, you, you see the same thing. He says in Colossians 3.17, Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. He goes on in verse 23, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord rather than for men. If you looked at Titus 2, he breaks down the roles of, of young men and, and of young women and older women and young men and, and, and older men. And he says, so that they will ascribe, basically he says, so they will ascribe glory, that they will revere and honor the doctrine of Christ. Everything is about worship. It's about attaching and, and, and not only, it's about seeing the worth of, of who God is. I don't make God glorious. God is glorious. I'm simply acknowledging the glory that is due Him. We worship our, we are to worship our King, our Lord. That is our number one priority. And, and if that's our number one priority, then the question becomes, how do, we, how do we do that? How do we worship God? Are we free to do that any way we want? Are we free to just come up with whatever ways we want to do that, or is there an acceptable way to worship God, and is there an unacceptable way to worship God? And those are the questions that I want to address today. I want to start there today. And and I, and I was, I thought about this yesterday, and and I was sitting there and and, and watching. Um, I was watching a football game between Oklahoma and Texas. And some of you that those may be your favorite teams. I, I really don't have any a uh, any draw to Oklahoma or Texas. I could care less the outcome of that game. I, I was sitting, but it was on, and, and those are two good teams, and so I was, I just did what every man does on Saturday afternoon who's bored. You watch college football, I guess. And, and I was watching the game, and I don't, I was watching it just because it was something to do out of habit. Look, I was, they would score, and I was just sitting there. There was 80,000 people going bonkers in that stadium, and I'm just sitting there like, okay, that's a nice play. I mean, I appreciated the, the skill level, but I didn't get excited about any of their plays. I didn't get frustrated when they fumbled. I didn't get, I didn't, there was nothing about it that was emotional. I sat there and watched. I was unmoved. But then last night at 8 o'clock, <laughs> there was a game on between FSU and Miami. And I don't think 10 seconds had gone by and I had yelled. I had got up. I had critiqued the coaching job that Jimbo Fisher was doing. I had critiqued. I, I, was, I was in. Why? Guess what? I grew up in Tallahassee. I spent my whole life going to FSU games when I lived in Tallahassee with my father. I graduated from Florida State. Uh, by, by God's grace, I married a woman who loves Florida State football. I, by the way, I went to bed at 9.30. She stayed up. She's the faithful fan. I, I, guess what? Here's the difference. There was emotion attached to the game. I cared about what happened. I don't want to show up this morning and look at Daniel in the face and him say, Miami beat you. I know, listen, here's the thing. I know the players' names. I, I know their stats. I know the history. I, I know that there's a, there's a long-standing rivalry between Miami and Florida State. I remember watching as a kid, totally different atmosphere. And I was sitting there thinking, what's the difference? Here's the difference. 
One word, and this is the one word that I want us to walk away from here. When you think about worship, I want you to think about this. Delight. 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 I, I, I love FSU. My delight, I, I delight in them as a team. There's a, there's a history. Everything about my emotion, my affection, the attention I gave the game, the, the way it affected me, everything about it, the simple difference was, was delight. I don't care about Texas and Oklahoma. I acknowledge they're good teams, but I don't have an emotional connection to it. I don't know much about them. But I delight in FSU football, and that changes everything. And, and the Bible is clear that there is an acceptable way to worship God. I, I promise you that, that Texas and Oklahoma, they would not be thrilled to know that I was just sitting there watching the game the way that I watched it. And, and, the, and then F, to sit in an FSU game and be unmoved, Karen would look at me like, who are you and what have you done with my husband? But listen, the Bible is very clear. There's an acceptable way to worship God and there's an unacceptable way to worship God. And I want us as a, not only individually, but corporately to worship God rightly. Why? Because he's worthy. He's worthy. And, and if it's a priority, I want us to do it rightly. So you'll see on your handout, the first, the first number one there. I want to start with, with, with the unacceptable way to worship. And I want us to assess ourselves and be real honest. And you see it there, worship that God, there's a worship that God rejects. And the worship that God rejects involves treating God as common and offering anything but the first and the best of your life. If, if you were to study the Bible, if you were to look at worship, you, if you were to look at offerings to God throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament, there were two characteristics that surrounded an offering that God accepted. It had to be the first and it had to be the best. In order for God to accept it, it had to be the first, and it had to be the best. And, and clearly, there are offerings in the Bible, as you read the Bible, that God rejected. You go all the way back to Genesis 4, the very beginning. God rejected Cain's offering, and he accepted Abel's offering. You go on in, just, a, a, just a briefly, you go to Ananias and Sapphira. Their offering was rejected and they were killed because of their offering and the manner in which it was offered. If, if you were to go to 1 Chronicles 28, you would see some parameters surrounding the, the offerings and the way that we are to, to worship the Lord. And, and when I write kids' birthday cards here, a lot of times I'll reference this when he says, As for you, my son Solomon, know the God of your father and serve him with a whole heart, and with a willing mind. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands every intent of the thoughts. If you seek him, he will let you find him. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. Whole heart. Willing mind. God is not after. He is not pleased by half-hearted worshipers. He's not, ple he's not pleased with begrudging worshipers. He's not honored and glorified by, by a people going through the motions. No more than you would be, spouse. If it was in, We took our son, our daughter was at a birthday party Friday night. We took our son out to, out to eat. And, and we looked around at the restaurant. And, and every, almost every table that had kids, there was a kid sitting there. And there was a phone just like this. And they were playing. And... and the, the, the question we were, we started having a conversation with our son Bradley about that. You know, imagine, uh, uh, you know, those kids are in the presence of their parents and they're acting like they're not. They're in a total another world. And, and that's, the, that's really the society we're growing. Again, trust me, my kids want to play those things as much as anybody, but we don't, we don't, we put limits on them. And they're certainly not going to play them in my presence like that and act like I don't exist. But, but they're in the presence of their parents, but they're totally outside the reality of, of being there. That, that's not a worship that God accepts. The, the reality and the reason why I start here is this. When a church fails, you'll see it on your handout, when a church fails to worship properly, everything else falls apart. 
You can do all you want externally, all you want out there, all you want publicly, but if we as a church fail to worship properly, everything else is not received by the Lord. It's unaccepted. It, it all starts and flows with worship. I mean, think about if I took Karen out to dinner and I was on my phone the whole time. Would she receive that date? Would she count that date to my credit? The reality is, is that would be counted as a debit. She would have rather we just stayed at home. And for, for it's the same here. If, if, if we're here and not worshiping properly, why are, why are we here? So I want to give us real quick some, some, some ways that Satan sneaks in subtly and not subtly in ways that we offer worship that is unaccepted. And the first thing you see there, A, worship of false gods. Worship of just, of just outright false gods. You see that in, in Exodus uh, 34, uh, verse 14. God is very clear that he will not accept this. He says, For you shall not worship any other God, for the Lord whose name is Jealous is a jealous God. Now, now please don't understand, when we think of Jealous, we, we think of our own jealousy. The jealousy spoken of here is this. If there was a man pursuing after my wife, jealousy would rival up in me a good jealous to defend my wife, to, to defend the integrity of our relationship, to, to, to defend the, the solidness and the sacredness of our relationship. That's the jealous here. It's the, it's the same type of jealousy where if your kid was about to do something to really, really hurt them, you would go after your kid in an aggressive manner and rescue them. It would be out of jealousy for your kid. This isn't some, inside, this isn't some sin inside God. He's, he's perfect. This is a love. This is a great love for you, and he's keeping you from destroying your life and chasing after cisterns that don't hold water. And again, listen to me. When we think of false gods, most of us think of things like the golden calf. Most of us think like th things of like structures or, or temples or that, that, that people would worship. Listen, false, this includes not only that, but this involves worshiping God in a way that he has not revealed himself to be in this word. Th this involves making up a God in your mind that isn't the same God that is revealed in this word. It would be like you saying, well, I like to think of God as love. I don't, I don't like to think of God as wrath. Well, too bad. Too bad. The Bible clearly reveals that God is wrath. You look at Psalm 5. He says, I hate, I hate all those who do iniquity. I abhor all those who pursue bloodshed. The, the reality is we don't, we don't get to make up God. We don't get to make up who he is or how he... We have to worship him as he has revealed himself and in the manner in which he has revealed that is acceptable. Well, I, I, you know what? I, I, don't, I don't need to go to, a, to worship with a church. I, I just worship with the team. That's, that's unbiblical. You don't get to worship God the way you want. You don't get to make up a God in our minds and, and worship him the way that we want to worship him. And if you look at Acts... Uh, verse 17, uh, Acts 17, 29. Listen, listen to what he says here. He says, Being then the children of God, we ought not to think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and thought of man. Listen, you know what he's saying there? God is greater and more awesome than you ever would imagine. You would never create an awesome God like God is and has revealed himself to actually be. He's perfect as he is. Worship him as he is. So the, the first unacceptable form of worship is false gods. Either a statue or something picturing God, making that up like a golden calf for that, or thinking of God in a way that's wrong and then worshiping that, that picture of God that you've made up. The reality is if you go to Romans 1, it's very interesting how subtle this can be. In Romans 1, the, Paul talks about that God gave them over to their own sin. Why? Because it's simply this. They did not acknowledge God, nor they did, nor did they give thanks. Think about that. They, they did not acknowledge God, nor did they give thanks for Him being who He was. And God gave them over. God is, God is perfect in and of Himself. 
And, and our job, our duty, our priority as followers of Christ is to worship Him rightly. And as He's revealed, secondly is this, worship of the true, the second type of worship that God rejects, maybe you're worshiping the true God, but you're doing it in a self-glorifying manner. You're, doing, you're, you're worshiping the right God, but you're doing it in a way that ultimately you get the glory. L- listen, listen to what he says in Matthew 15 regarding the Pharisees. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far away from me. But in vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the precept of men, the precepts of men. Outwardly, outwardly they were giving allegiance to a true God, but they were doing it in a self-glorifying manner. You, you can look all throughout the Bible, Nadab and Abihu, Saul, they, they, they were all disciplined for that type of worship. Ultimately, ultimately, their worship was about them and not about the glory of God. It was all outward. And, and similarly to that, you'll see, see, another form of unacceptable worship is worship of the true God in the right way, but with the wrong desires, with the wrong desires. It's interesting, in, in, in Malachi, you, you see this, in Malachi 1, there, there's lots of examples that we could read, but in Malachi 1, God says this to the prophet, A son honors his father and a servant his master. Then if I am a father, where is my honor? And if I am a master, where is my respect? Says the Lord of hosts to you, O priests, who despise my name. But you say, how have we despised your name? You are presenting defiled food upon my altar. But you say, how have we defiled you? In that you say, the table of the Lord is to be despised. But when you, listen to this, here's, here's how you despise the Lord. But when you present the blind for sacrifice, is that not evil? And when you present lame and sick, is it not evil? Why not offer it to your governor? Would he be pleased with you? Or would he receive you kindly, says the Lord of hosts? But now you will not entreat God's favor that he will be gracious to us. For such an offering on your part, he, will he receive you kindly? Again, first and the best. They were trying to pass off second best to God. See, they would have had multiple offerings of the very best, and that would have gotten expensive. And so, you know what they started saying? Well, let's just offer the lame. Let's offer the parts of our lives that we don't really have any use for or we really can't use. Let's offer those up. Let's pass that off to to worship. If you were to look at at Amos in um, Amos 5, uh, 21, let me turn here real quick. Listen to what he says in, in Amos 5, verse, chapter 5, verse 21. He says, I hate, I reject your festivals, nor do I lie, delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer up to me burnt offerings of grain and offerings, I will not accept them, and I will not even look at your peace offerings or, or fatlings. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not even listen to the sound of your heart. But look at what he says. Rather than that, let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an everlasting stream. You know what he's saying? Don't come in here and think you can put on a good show and then not obey me and follow me with righteousness and justice. Just like he says in in Micah 6, 8, He has shown thee, O man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly. He said, "Don't, don't, don't think that we can just come here and put on a show and then walk out and not obey. Same thing he says in Hosea 6. Same thing he says in Isaiah 1, that I've rejected it. And the reality is this. The challenge for us is this, and you see it on a handout. We are the focus of our worship when it's done wrongly. It's us. Why, why, would, you offer, why would you offer the lame and the sick and the defiled? Because it's good for you. It's cheaper for you. And, and there's a battle going on inside of all of us. And I remember a long time ago, I heard Matt Chandler say this, that all of us in our hearts, we're glory thieves. Every single one of us. I can, listen to me, I'm not immune to this. I can, I can come up here and preach God's word in a way, thinking about so that you will like me and think how great I am versus just sticking to the word of God. 
and letting the Word of God do its work. I can preach in a way that avoids the hard topics, that avoids the, the hard things, that just tickles your ears. I can say what you want. I can do all that, but guess what? Ultimately, am I worshiping? I am not. Why? Because ultimately, who's the focus on? It's on me. It's on me. I'm sitting up here thinking about me and not, first of all, the Lord. That's why in, in Timothy, Paul says what? Preach the Word in season and out of season. Preach the word. The, 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 the ultimately, the focus of everything we do is on God or it won't be accepted. Living for anything other than God's glory, it won't be accepted. You can go all the way back to Matthew 6. The Pharisees, they did everything outwardly, outwardly. And you know what it says? It's interesting. It's an interstatement. They, they, they. When they fasted, they would put on sackcloth and ashes and they would look so pitiful. And when they prayed, they would go out outside and they would make all these fancy words and all this stuff. It's very interesting in Matthew 6, it says, Know this, that they received their reward in full. You know what their, you know what their reward was? Man's praise. You know why? Because that's what they were seeking. God essentially says, I don't need to reward you. Why? Because you weren't looking for my reward. You got exactly what you wanted. You wanted man's praise? You got it. I'm out. They got exactly, they, they, it says they received their reward in full. Th th those are some unacceptable, unacceptable ways of worship. Ways of worship that God, God, God rejects. But what about, what about worship that God accepts? And that's number two there on your handout. Worship that God accepts involves ascribing to God His worth and glory by enjoying Him as central in all areas of our lives. It's ascribing to the Lord His worth and His glory by enjoying Him and making Him central in all areas of our lives. We saw in Psalm 29, God is seeking worshipers, if you will. He said, ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Ascribe to that. It begs the question, what is the worship of God? What does it mean? I mean, if I asked you on your handout today, write down a definition of worship, what would it be? What would it be? Is it just giving God this hour on Sundays? Is it just the part of the service that Daniel leads? You know, I, I, I hesitate even, you know, when we, when, we, when we name these titles, he's our worship director. What are we doing here? I would argue under the word we're worshiping. It's not just what Daniel does. Is worship relegated to a specific time and a specific place? Is that what worship is? Or is it orienting my life, every aspect of my life, is it orienting my entire life around the truth of who Jesus Christ is? I would argue that's worship. That's worship. And that's the biblical definition of worship. And you'll see on your handout, there's, there's lots of definitions, but I, I want us to operate with this one. Worship is responding to the awesomeness of our God by giving Him the glory that He alone is due. It's a response. It's a response. Not only that, you see, it goes beyond that. Worship is enjoying being His children and letting that relationship dictate and impact every area of our life. So it's responding to God, but it's also enjoying. It's enjoying. You know, you think about it. I, 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 want, I want my kids to enjoy being my children. Does that mean I discipline them? It absolutely means I discipline them. But I want them to know that ultimately I have their best interest in mind. And when they're out on the playground, I don't want them complaining about how pitiful it is to be a, a son of Chris and Karen Basham or a daughter. And real worship is a full-time activity of the people of God. It is not relegated to a specific time or place. If you were to go to John 4, that's exactly what John, Jesus clean, cleared up with the Samaritan woman. Well, we worship here and we worship. He says, look, it's not about a place and it's not about a time. It's not something we do on it's not something that we simply do on Sundays. It's who we are as the people of God. I, I, I beg us not to be a people that divine worship too narrow too narrowly. It is who we are. 
It is, it is what we are here to do. It is what we will be doing for all eternity. It, it is the expression, worship is the expression of a people who are in love with their king. And they show it through every area of their life. And the main way that we show it is how? It's through obedience. It's through obedience. We make much of our king by obeying. And why? Because we trust him. We trust him. We're, worship, think about it this way, worship is showing off God for who he is. It's showing off God for who he is. The aim is to make much of him. We, we are not the focus of our worship. God is. God is the focus. As opposed to the, the first point I said that we are the focus. Listen, God is the focus of our worship when it's done rightly. God is the focus. And, and, and as I mentioned in Romans 1, it is a sin not to acknowledge God's worth nor give him thanks for his worth and grace. That is a sin. And God gave them over to idolatry and all kinds of immorality. Why? Because they did not acknowledge who he was, nor did they give thanks to him for who he was. They didn't focus on God. And part of worship, and this is why I said discipleship and all these things flow together. Worship is responding to the truth of who God is, to the truth of who God is. Jesus addresses this again in John 4. He says that those who worship God must do what? Worship Him in spirit and in truth. In truth. It's, it's responding to who God is, not who you think He is or who you want Him to be. That's idolatry. But again, the other side, worship in spirit, not only, in, not only controlled by the Spirit of God in us, but there ought to be great emotion in our response to the truth of who God is. There ought to be great emotion to that. There ought to be a sense of you being overwhelmed. It's, it's like what the psalmist says in, in Psalm 8.4. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have ordained, what is man that you take thought of him and the son of man that you care for him? Like The thought that you're God, the king, and you know me? You sent your son to die for me? That you pursue me daily, you provide for me daily, you've adopted me. That ought to be an overwhelming, that ought to create great emotion. That God knows you and is mindful of you. And, and again, it, as I said earlier, if I was to sum it all up, if I was to sum up my thoughts on what I wanted each of us here at Odessa in regards to worship, it would be summed up in this. Worship is delighting in God. I, 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 think, I think if we were a people individually and corporately, who delighted in God. We, God would use us to make a huge impact on those around us. Delighting in God. And, and the word delighting, if you were to look that word up, I looked it up, it says this, a feeling of extreme, extreme pleasure or satisfaction. Is that you today? Are you extremely pleased and satisfied with God? It also gave this definition. Delighting was this. Something or someone that provides pleasure, a source of happiness. Does God, does it, are you, is it a joy for you to serve God? Is it a joy for you to be his child? Is he the source of happiness, of pleasure? God, listen, God is to be the source of our extreme pleasure. And, and acknowledging that is worship. Again, it's giving God the glory that is due Him. That is our number one priority. If you, if I, I, I don't know that catechisms are in vogue anymore, and in, in the Baptist circle, maybe not. But but we we have some. We have them at our house. And the Westminster Catechism states this: the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. The chief end of man: glorify God and enjoy Him forever. John Piper edited that a little bit, and I like what he did. He said the chief end of man is to glorify God by enjoying Him forever. And think about this. Think about this. If you showed up at the playground to pick up your children, and I said, hey, Bradley, Sarah Grace, let's go. Great. We got to go home with him. You know, 
or they stop what they're doing and they make a beeline running for you and are excited that their dad is there. That's two totally different emotions. Listen to me. God is honored in the same way that you would be honored by a couple of kids that drop everything they're doing. They're more excited about you than they are what they're doing and they drop what they're doing and they run to you. I believe that's worship. That's a picture of worship by enjoying God. Worship is delighting in God. It, it is enjoying being loved and loving God. And the question I would say is this. Can you say that right now about yourself, that you enjoy God? That you delight in God, that He is the source of extreme pleasure? That, that, I mean, the thought that I can enjoy God at any time, any place. I can have 24-hour communion, 24-hour fellowship. Anywhere, anytime. School, work, athletics, home, 24-hour worship of God. Enjoy Him, delight Him, seeking to make much of Him. From the, from the most mundane thing you're doing to the most uh, profound thing you're doing. From the most private thing you're doing to the most public thing you're doing. Glory to God. You're doing that out of a pleasure and enjoyment of God. That He, that he is the extreme source of pleasure. Wor worship, and you see it in your hand, that is orienting your life around God. It is making Him and His glory central to every single component of your life. Every single thing. And, and I want to I look at some verses here real quick. To, because that, I did not make that word delight up. As you, as you look at the scriptures, that word pops up a lot. And, it, and I want to look at a couple places. In Nehemiah 1.11, he says, O Lord, I beseech you. May your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant and the prayer of your servants who delight to revere your name. They delighted to revere your name. L listen to Psalm 1-2. And, and you'll see the delight goes way beyond God into his statutes, into his word. Listen to this. How blessed is the man who doesn't, and he lists the things he doesn't. He says, but, but the blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He delights. Listen to Psalm 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Psalm 40, verse 8. I delight to do your will, O God. Your law is within my heart. Psalm 111, verse 2. We'll, just, we'll stop after this one. There's too many. Great are the works of the Lord. They are studied by all who delight in them. See, a delight in God manifests itself in a delight in His Word, and it manifests itself in a people who delight to do His will. When, when the source is right, everything else flows out of that. Oftentimes the problem is, why don't I talk about Oklahoma football or Texas football in conversation? Because I don't care. You want to talk about FSU football? Well, you got time? Why? Because I delight. There's a delight. Sean back there, he loves Nebraska football. I joked about Nebraska football later on. He came up a couple weeks ago. He gave me a hard time. He delight. You want to talk about Cornhusker football? There's your man. You want to talk about Oregon? Go see Christian Hockley. You want to talk about Gator football? Go talk to, go talk to Bedencourt's down here. Why? Because they delight in it. I mean, ask ourselves this. This is, this is what I struggle with. Even I'll just be very honest and transparent. You know what? You know what we delight? The thing that we delight in is the thing that composes most of our conversation. What, what, what makes up most, most of your conversation? What, what makes up most of your time spent? What makes up most of where your life is invested? I promise you that's where your delight is. If we, if we as a people... Again, I'm not, I'm, trying to be, I'm not trying to be, you know, Johnny Raincloud here, but if we delighted in the Lord more, you know what our conversations here and out in the community would be surrounded about more? They'd be about God. And they'd be about what God's doing in our lives. And they'd be about what God's doing in the lives of those around us through us. But you know what we talk about? We talk about football. 
We talk about other stuff. Why? Because, again, and I'm guilty of it too. I, I can distinctly remember a time where God convicted me of that, that I could tell you the stats and the names and all this stuff about FSU football, FSU football and, all the, and I knew diddly squat about this word. It, it wasn't an issue of me not being able to memorize the word. It was an issue of delight. It was an issue of, it was an issue of want to. And, and I remember repenting of that. And I remember, not that I'm perfect about it, but I remember, okay, I'm going to put that effort into the Word. And it's orienting our lives. But, but here's the thing. We see this, it's in the New Testament as well. You say, well, that was Old Testament. If you were to go to Matthew 13, what does he say? He says is that we ought to be men and women who, who are like the man who finds a treasure in a field, goes and sells everything else, and guess what he does? He buys that field. We ought to be like a sailor who finds this precious pearl. And you know what he does? He sells everything to go get that pearl. Why? Because the delight, the worth. And, and the, that, that's, again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to, the more, I'm not trying to be a downer. I'm trying to challenge us and put a little bit of weight to the bar. I believe that's the kind of, that's what God wants church to be. A group of people who collectively and individually encourage one another to find their delight in God and not in the other things that Satan in this world tries to deceive us with and divert our attention to. That, that's what I believe. That, that's why it says, do not forsake the assembling together. Why? Because our tendency is to wander away to these things. You know what we do? We gather here to pull ourselves back to recalibrate, to refocus. That, that's what church is about. It's about disciples growing up that we would be more and more in love with a Savior and in turn less and less in love with the things of this world that compete with that. And the danger of us, the danger for all of us, you see it on your handout, is to forget that we exist because of and for God's glory. And then to make this life about ourselves. And think, think, listen to this. I think it's in Psalm uh, 103. This is dangerous when I start, uh, when I get, when I... Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Psalm 103.1, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Listen to this. Verse 2, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget none of His benefits, who pardons all our iniquities and heals all our diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you, He satisfies your years. He performs righteous deeds. He's compassionate and gracious, slow to anger. You know what You know mine and your tendency is? To forget how great God is. To forget all the wondrous, gracious deeds He's done in our lives. You know why we gather? We gather to help us to remember. We gather to spur us on. I, I, I think we're that church. I'm just challenging us to be better. To, to pursue it more and more. To, to be a people who do not live for this world. And I, I'll close with this. In Hebrews, I'm studying Hebrews on Thursdays with a group of guys and it's amazing, amazing how often where I am just is, is kind of where I am studying as well. But listen to what Hebrews, Hebrews, you have a group of believers who are in danger of, of turning back to Judaism to avoid persecution. Listen to what the writer of Hebrews says. But remember, this is chapter 10, verse 32. Remember the former days when after being enlightened, that's talking about salvation, you endured a great conflict of sufferings, partly by being made a spectacle through the reproaches and tribulations, and partly by becoming sharers of those who were treated? For you showed sympathy to the prisoners and accepted joyfully the seizure of your property, knowing that you have for yourselves a better possession and a lasting one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have a need for endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what was promised. You know why we gather as a church? Because every single one of us in here has a need for endurance. Every single one of us in here needs, needs one another with us saying, get up and keep going, keep going, keep going in Christ, keep persevering in Christ. In chapter 11, it says this in verse 13, all these had died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on earth. For those who say such things make it clear, listen, that they are seeking a country of their own. 
And indeed, if they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had opportunity to return. But as it is, listen to this, they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. And listen to the result. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Listen, we live for another city. Philippians 3 is very clear, verse 20. Our citizenship is not in heaven. The, the ways of this world, the thoughts of this world, the things of this world, the principles of this world, they ought to be utterly foreign to us. Why? Because we're not of this world. God has prepared a city for us. There's a home. He's promised it. And, and he said, listen to this. If you will lose your life for my sake, I'll give you eternal life. If you'll find your delight in me and let go of all the things of this world. 1 John 2.15 Do not love the world or the things of the world. For if anyone loves the things of this world, the love of the Father is not in him. Very clear, we cannot serve two masters. You love the one, you'll hate the other. I pray that we would be a church whose allegiance is singularly placed under the Lord Jesus Christ. That every moment of every day we would look at, the, look at life, we would dis, dis, discipline ourselves to say, I am a son and a daughter. Even, even the Bible also talks about you're a slave to the one true God. My job right here, right now, is to bring Him glory. How do I do that? Whether I'm a student, whether I'm a worker, employee, employer, how do I bring God the most glory? How, how do I allow my, the fact that my citizenship is in heaven, how do I allow that citizenship to dictate how I respond right now? That, that's what a church is to be. God-centered lives in every respect. Seeking to ascribe glory to God. And we gather every week to encourage every single person in here to keep at it. Literally, the word there in Hebrews 10 is to aggravate each other into pursuing godliness. Almost like the word picture there would be something, if something gets in your eye, you notice how when something gets in your eye, you can't focus on anything else until you what? Until you get that thing out of your eye. And that, that literally is what the writer of Hebrews says. We gather as a church to be that irritant to one another in a good way. In a good way. I pray that we would be that church. I pray that we would continue. I don't want you to think for the last we're not. I pray that when I say that, forgive me. I pray that we will continue to be that church and, and grow up more and more into that church. That, that every single day we would continue pursuing Christ more and more. Amen?